Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffner. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben Wright, Michael Vaughan and Phil Tuffner with you as usual. Today, we're going to be unpacking England's stonking win over South Africa at Old Trafford and looking ahead to the third and final test at the Oval next week. You may have noticed that this episode has come out a day later than usual this week, but we have a very good excuse. It's because we're going to be joined by a very, very special guest today. The former England captain and one of the best cricketers in the world at the moment, if not the very best, Joe Root will be speaking with us shortly. We'll get his take on life under the new head coach, Brendan McCullum, what it's been like rejoining the ranks after relinquishing his captaincy. We'll also have the latest from Phil as the 100 nears its conclusion, and we'll be discussing a village side that scored one of the lowest totals in history. How are you? What have you been up to, Phil? Very good, very good. Just been doing um, the rounds, been at the test match um, at Old Trafford, which was a fantastic game, really classy uh, performance from England. Uh, bouncing back from Lords, yeah. um, enjoyed every minute of it. A couple of great innings by Stokes and folks, and the boys did it with the ball as well. Ollie Robinson bowled well. Nice to see him back. Um, just a really classy all-round performance against a very good South Africa side, which is a little bit light on batting. Yeah, I mean it was an amazing result, wasn't it? I mean the bounce back from losing by an innings and change at Lords. Mm. to win by an innings and 85 uh, runs at Old Trafford. And that, I think that's only happened twice before in tests, to lose by an innings and then in the very next match to win by an innings. So it was it was a hell of a turnaround, Mike. Yeah, I mean, um, I have to say, Phil, um, you were sounding terrific from my sun lounger with the radio on. Yes, where were you, Mike? <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were on fine form. Um, these three-day test matches seem to be catching on. Um <laughs> Tell me, Phil, I, you know, I was from afar, hmm. but I was straight away on morning um, day one. When I saw South Africa's team first and foremost, oh. I thought, uh, uh, uh. When was the last time two spinners worked at Old Trafford? It's a myth. Hmm. And secondly, I thought, wait a minute, the lights are on. It's a bit overcast. <laughs> These pitches don't really deteriorate that much. You've just hammered England a few days before by bowling first, bowling England out. England won four test matches at the start of the year uh, of the summer chasing. What were South Africa doing, first and foremost, with their team selection to go 
without Janssen and they put in a, a, another spinner in? And secondly, what were they doing at the toss with the decision? No, I completely agree with you, Mike. Um, yeah, the team selection, they got it wrong. Okay, they decided to go that way. But still, when you win the toss, you don't give the opposition the conditions. And they just handed... Um, England the conditions um, as you said it was really overcast it was that sort of humid sort of overcast conditions with that slight sort of cool breeze which is ideal for swing and seam bowling and they just said well, I think they got a little bit too um, you know too wrapped up in we're playing two spinners it looks dry it did look dry on the odd one turn but you know it was ragging and, and and I think they got too sort of wrapped up with right we're playing two spinners we must bowl last on this pitch and they got it totally wrong Mike it's as simple as that Phil uh, that, that selection uh, you, you said it were there that they, they wanted to play two spinners I think they I was with Graham Smith and Graham Smith on the podcast he actually said oh, I think South Africa want to play two spinners yeah. I was like, why? Where is the data in the history at Old Trafford that two finger spinners yeah. have actually worked? Yeah. You know, in our time, you can go back to probably the 90s when Tim May and Shane Warne yeah. had a great partnership. And I'm sure, you know, you know, Moeen Ali, um, give me another spinner that England played against India when they bowled them out. Um, there was two spinners that potentially played in that game. But Ultimately, Old Trafford, if it's spinning, it's uneven or it's reverse swinging as well. And yeah. seamers do the damage, which was going to be the case this week. I honestly think there's there's a common trend. And you go back to England and Australia, where touring teams overcomplicate selection. Yeah. And yeah. they overthink selection. Don't just look at the here and now. South Africa this week, they should have rolled up to Old Trafford and they should have gone, right, we've got England on toast. Yeah. Our four-man seam attack, pace attack. You imagine waking up as an England batter on the morning of Old Trafford, yeah. you know, one of those four. Because what happens when you play one less? The three think, oh, no, we've got more work to do here, so we might have to just leave a little bit in the tank. Mm-hmm. When you've got four quick bowlers, they can give it everything in every single spell because they know they're going to get a bit more of a breathing space because there's four of them to bowl. And I, I put that down as one of the most bizarre selections yeah. I mean, there's been some strange ones. You go back to England in Brisbane, you go back to England at Adelaide in the winter. But there seems to be a common trend of touring teams going away from home and getting selection wrong. And it might be to do with data. It might be to do with overthinking. Mm. Um, but something's not quite right <laughs> in you, these teams that seem to get selected so wrong. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is, Mike. I don't think that touring teams play enough cards in the dressing room on rain break. Correct. Yeah, they don't play enough <laughs> poker yeah. and they don't play enough three card brag because I'd like because they're just they're showing their hand and what they're going to do before yes. before the game's even played you've got to have a little bit of bluff and the one mm. thing that was good about uh, the England performance which I really enjoyed is that I hate saying this well I'm going to say the brand of cricket not baseball oh I said it oh no um, that um, that England are playing <laughs> is that um it, it showed that they were adaptable and smart. And you've always said this, Mike, is that, you know, you've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to sort of like change your game mid, mid innings. We were, we were about 150 for four there. And then Stokes and Wokes came in. Stokes and um, folks came in and, um, you know, they, 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 they grafted. They got stuck in and uh, they, they didn't just go out there and smash yeah. it and 
Ben wasn't coming down the pitch trying to hit it before. They got themselves in and then slowly wore down that South African pace attack, which is first class. And they got it reversing after about 10 or 15 overs. But they got stuck in. They played the situation. And it, and, and I was really delighted to see that. There is another way to play. And um, they proved that at Old Trafford. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, that, I mean, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, I don't know whether we say this wasn't basketball or there are more facets to basketball, but everybody was saying you need to be able to adapt to the conditions. Mm. And they did that in this case. Yeah. Um, but it's a sort of a bit weird after Lords when uh, Brendan McCullum was saying that the only, only regret he had was they didn't go more aggressive. And then they go up to Old Trafford and they win by being more circumspect. Yeah. Uh, uh, ben, I, I think what, what Brendan's trying to do is almost like relieve pressure. He, all he's always doing. He didn't want England to go out just playing one style of cricket. He's he's played a lot of cricket himself. He's been around cricket for a long, long time. He knows that playing that expansive game more often than not against the better teams will come unstuck. Particularly if you get the wrong end of the, the conditions, like they did at Lords. Mm. What they did at Old Trafford would play hard Test cricket. That's all it was, mm. and and that's what I'm sure Brendan will be saying to the team behind closed doors to the public domain it would say be aggressive go expansively you look at the way Ben Stokes played that is his DNA of how to play test match cricket you know Ben Stokes has an average of 36 in test cricket he's two but he should have an average of 45 he's got 12 test match centuries he'll end up with 20 odd but he should have an average of over 40 if he wants to play expansively and so riskily he'll end up with an average of 36 but if he plays like he did at Old Trafford which is playing the conditions playing the situation He's got an incredible mentality. Yeah. He's got a mentality of when England need it, he delivers. There's only been a small few over the history of English cricket that always see, you, you can kind of watch. And I, again, I was on my sun lounger, I'm listening. And it's funny when you're listening and you just hear Ben Stokes arrives at the crease and England are in trouble. I just sat back with my pina colada and I thought, <laughs> he'll deliver. Yeah. And he, he was aggressive in some ways. So when Simon Harmer came on, he sort of slog swept him first ball for six, put it in the stands, clearly trying to make a statement and and uh, put pressure on the spinners who who've been selected. We talk about the selection, um, but it was it was sort of targeted aggression, wasn't it? He got controlled, controlled, controlled it, aggression, controlled. Yes, I used measured a lot when I was on the radio. Measured. 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 But, um, another word. It was another measured. word. Calculated. 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 They were all coming out, but um, they got themselves in. They got themselves in. They got themselves to 20 yeah. or 30. They got themselves to 20 or 30. And, and a big a big rap for Ben Folks as well. He played a really good knock. Oh. Um, we know he can play the spin well from his first, <laughs> his maiden at 100 and his debut at Sri Lanka. And I think that that helped him. He, he knocked Harmer and uh, Maharaj around beautifully, um, but also could play the, the quicks as well. He got stuck in and they just had that really good tempo. They were, Once they got themselves in, um, they just went along, at, you know, two, three, four and over from sort of like just being positive, the odd sort of expansive shot, but just ticked it over beautifully. And they wore South Africa down, simple as that. Yeah. yeah. It was a, a really beginnings for Ben folks because, yeah. you know, we've seen him do it against spin. We can play spin nicely. I think the one question mark was, you know, against pace. Yeah, it was only a three-man uh, pace attack, but it's still quick. Got 100, 100 not out. Getting a red inker. I love that. Getting a red inker. The average pumps up. Uh, <laughs> So that'll give Ben folks a massive boost. And to do it under the pressure, to do it with his captain at the other end, yeah. that buys him a lot of test matches. And obviously the, the headlines go to folks and Stokes. 
for the for on the in terms of the batting performance. But Zach Crawley as well, who's had a really gritty performance. And there was a lot of talk about it being um, a new ball match, um, new ball conditions. Mm. His his innings at the beginning enabled England to see off that new ball and uh, sort of bought folks and Stokes the ability to then to then get in right. Well, I think again, I mean, all this talk of aggression and all this talk of flamboyancy, it's all well and good trying to play that way. But ultimately, when you're in the side as a batter and you're struggling, you've got to find a way. Yeah. And sometimes, and actually more often than not at the top of the order, finding a way is actually being ugly and just being determined to stay in. Very, very rarely. I've seen Matthew Hayden, I've seen Michael Slater, Herschel Gibbs for a short while, Jai Saria. I haven't seen too many at the top of the order that played flamboyantly and been consistent. You know, so Zach Crawley played the method and the way that he should be playing. When you're fighting for your career, and he is, you know, that's that's not um, diminishing anything away from where he is at the moment in his uh, test match career. He's fighting for his place in the side. The best way to fight for your place is to be dogged. Dogged, determined, hang around, see off the new ball get to 38 of lots of balls, that's fine. You know, because he might get that opportunity at the Oval to be a bit more expansive because the pitch might be better, but he's got to do it again because I see the Oval, when you get to the Oval and then you're touring just a month or two afterwards to Pakistan, different conditions, uh, different surroundings, um, I think both Alex Lees and Zach Crowley will need a decent score at the Oval to guarantee that they're on the plane in the winter. You know, you look at Alex Lees now, a few low scores, uh, looks okay. He's played a few nice shots, um, but he'll need a score for his own mind. And the way to get a score is to make sure that you nullify the risk. You know, if you go out playing risky cricket against Rabada, Norkia, Ningidi, probably Janssen back at the other, I'm sorry, you will get out. Mm. You will give an opportunity to the opposition. So give yourself a chance, bat determinedly, um, bat with, you know, against my, you know, the, the back to the wall kind of style. I think that works when, you, when you're struggling. So I'll be interested to see how they go now at the Oval, particularly that opening pair and particularly Zach. Now he's had a bit of praise. It's only a 38 though. You know, mm-hmm. it's only 38. Yeah. It doesn't buy you a ticket. You know, that's not enough to get a guaranteed ticket on the plane. You'll need another score at the Oval. Yeah, perhaps perhaps it'll buy him a ticket to get to Brighton, but not uh, but not abroad. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, 38's not a lot, but he did. He, 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 he hung about a little bit. It was the manner, yeah. wasn't it? It was sort of 70-odd balls he saw off on that first evening for seven runs or 17 that, runs. That's or... right. That's right. And, and you've got to do that. Your job as an opener is that in a sort of funny way. It's to let the more yeah. expansive players have the have the older ball, get the seamers into their second and third spells so they can do it. So he'll be happy with what he did. Also, Mike, um, a very trim looking Ollie Robinson could have had eight for. He could have had eight for in that first innings. He could have had eight. He bowled well, mate, I tell you. Yeah, and, and what I like, Phil, the pace. Yeah. 87 was, miles an hour. Yeah, he's just got his pace up. He looks trim. He's, he's trim and he kept it up, didn't he? Even yeah. even late into the spells. Yeah. He, what, he, whatever the book Chris has given him, I'd like to know what that book is. Well, I've got, I, I think I've got a link what to it. What is it? It's about what breathing. Book? All oh, right. So what what happens? So Chris Martin sends you a book breathe. to. Well, you've got to breathe. <laughs> well, I suspect. I mean, it's, I suspect he lost the weight before he went to the Cold Coldplay concert because that was only a week ago, right? So I don't. I know, but what, so 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 wait a minute. Can I just put something to you? Chris Martin, yes. the world famous 
incredible musician. Yes. It's taken Chris Martin, the musician, <laughs> to get Ollie Robbins to realise that breathing <laughs> is important. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... I think- the fact that breathing is important is possibly a given. Yes. But I think it's even more important if you uh, focus on doing it properly. But I've got the per- if, if he wants to carry on bowling 87 miles an hour and he wants to, he's got to go and see Vim Hoff. Yeah. Vim Hoff should be in this England setup <laughs> as one of the backroom. Rob Key has got to appoint Vim Hoff. <laughs> forget the new selector. I don't think they need a selector. I think it's working okay at the minute. So forget that. So save your budget on a selector. And put it into the Vim Hoff budget. <laughs> I think Vim, and Vim would look great on the balcony, Phil at Lord. Imagine just the look of Vim on the yeah. balcony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that he was breathing, Phil? Well, yes. By the mere fact that he was on the field, I sort of read, I realised he was breathing. <laughs> he had he hadn't turned blue. Therefore, no. you concluded he was continuing to breathe. We've already mentioned Stokes uh, and his batting, but there was the bowling as well and that incredible 14-over spell either side of T on the third day. I don't know if you saw the Barmy Army they tweeted, but there was a fantastic tweet when it said, on Thursday, on the anniversary of his Headingley 19 innings, he took two wickets to help bowl South Africa out for 151. Friday, his own movie is released on Amazon and he scored 100. Mm. Saturday, he bowls 14-overs in a row makes it five out of six as a test captain and is given man of the match. Yeah. Sunday, presumably, he went off and saved the world somehow. Well, yes. Talk about... Who, who writes this guy's script? Yeah, I know. Talk about Superman or Spider-Man or whatever. He he, he just does it. And as Mike was saying with the bat, he did it with the ball. Things had gone flat. Um, they were just sort of trying to get a bit of um, momentum South Africa. And he comes in and gets a couple of crucial yeah. wickets when the ball was flat, not doing much. Um, and, and and just I think he bowled for fourteen overs either side of T, and yeah. that's when his knee was a bit crook as well. Um, he had a bit of an injury, so he's an absolute superstar, yeah. absolute superstar. Bat bowl in the field. We should make his documentary is magnificent. Yeah, yeah. it really is a, a a revealing watch and an educational watch. Um, you know, to go behind the scenes and, and see Ben in places that you would never expect to see him and, and talk about things that you wouldn't expect him to, to talk about. Um, it really is a brilliant documentary. And it doesn't surprise me that... Has there ever been a player in, in, in sporting history that has, has produced their own movie that causes a bit of controversy and then that week you basically win a test match or a game of sport on your own? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is extraordinary, it, isn't it? It is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about that 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 documentary was obviously talking a lot about his mental health. And when he was made captain, there were question marks about, I guess, his mental fragility and whether he would be up to the, up to it. And really we were asking the wrong question because actually all of the things he's gone through, it's not about mental strength. It's about the empathy that it's created for him. And that's clearly made him a better captain. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's early days with his captaincy, but the way that he started, it's remarkable. Um, there's been, you know, I look at Pat Cummins in Australia and the way that he started his captaincy reign, it's just been flawless, you know, the way that he's took the, the mantle of, 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 of obviously Australian, the test match captaincy has been fantastic. And Ben Stokes has started in a similar vein, you know, it's just, 
a job that just it looks like it's just made for him. Mm, yeah. You know, he, he's got that number six position. Um, I, I like the fact that he took a breather in the 100, that he, he, he realised. I think what Ben will know now in his mentality is when he needs a breather mm. and when he needs to take a step back and just go away and just probably have a, a little bit of a time away from cricket, which is so important. But, you know, he, he's tactically um, very different. You know, he does things like opening the bowling with Joe Root you know, on the, the yeah. third morning, it's like, where's that come from? But you get it, you know, you understand there's left-handers, a bit of spin, why not? Uh, I like seeing captains do things that, you know, you go, oh, why is he doing that? And yeah. then you kind of, you have a chat with someone, go, well, you can understand it. He never does anything that you think, there's been one or two times at Lords where the field was set a little bit wacky and wild and you could question that. But the one thing that I think when you get a captain like Ben Stokes is, is a, is a real captain that you want to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've looked at the TV numbers over the last few days, and you know the Test match highlights show that you know, obviously Phil's on is getting a huge amount more than live hundred games. Yeah. You now whether that's just the fact that you know the hundreds on at times that you're not too sure about, and it's been hot and people outside holiday Premier League football, the Commonwealth game, I'm not too sure, but you know the the the, the Test match team and under Ben Stokes is a team that everybody wants to watch. Yeah. You know, everyone's really interested because he's made it cool. He's made it a little bit wacky. Everyone's smiling and look like they're having a laugh, but it's not It's not that it's a comedy act. They're just a, a group of people that are having fun playing Test Match cricket. It's exactly what the Test Match game, not just the, the England Test Match team needed, it's the Test Match game needed someone like Ben Stokes to lead in this fashion. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and I was keeping an eye on him. Uh, in the field as well, Mike. And, you know, you, sometimes you go and have a little chat with your bowler, don't you? He, he, he reminds me of an Owen Morgan. I bet he's taken a leaf out of Owen Morgan's kind of book. He, he, he looks like he's on top of everything. There's not sort of like, no, you know, you know, sometimes, Phil, go right a bit. Phil, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? Where, where's the fielders? What are we doing? You know what I mean? It all seems a little bit sort of Wake chaotic. up the cat. Yeah, that's right. Wake him up at third man. Everyone seems to know what they do. There seems to be a plan that it sort of sorts sort out. But when there's, you know, when sometimes you don't have a plan as a captain, and you'll be able to tell me that's right, you know what I mean? But it's sort of like, you know, there's a couple of claps and Joe Root's coming on or something. Everyone seems to know where they're going, mm. you know what I mean? And everyone seems to know. It, it, it works very slickly, his captaincy. He doesn't dwell. Mm. He, he, he's not sitting there sort of like, and the camera pans on him and he's scratching his head. It all seems very calm, but very determined and very, um, yeah. everyone. everyone's on the same sort of page and they're all following him. Yeah, what I like about it, whatever decisions he makes, and there has been some, yeah. you know, wacky ones, mm. it, it looks like it's all controlled and the players just yeah. buy into it. They're like, well, Ben's making the decision or someone's giving him an idea. Yeah. I'm sure he's not just making all the decisions himself. No. He'll be taking some guidance on yeah. one or two issues from, from any of the players, you know, probably Stuart and, and Jimmy Anderson, Joe Root. Uh, but when he makes that call, everyone just buys into it. And yeah. that's the key to leadership. He's making sure that you tell the players, whatever we go with, we all buy into it. Yeah. Whatever it is, even if it looks stupid or even if it looks a little bit off off the kind of wall or out of the box, it's irrelevant. We all buy into it and we all con controlled in our body language. That That is always the key out in the field is body language. The whole team needs to be together. So we have got a pretty special guest on the pod today. Uh, it's only the best test batsman in the world, Joe Root. Joe, thanks for taking the time to join us. First things first, congratulations on the win at Old Trafford. Uh, a superb performance by the team. 
And it seemed from the outside that as a team, you've taken a, another leap forward. Um, can you can you give us some insight into what was discussed between Lords and Old Trafford and whether you were trying to do things a bit differently, especially as a batting unit? Three of us were just chatting about it and um, it, it seemed like a more controlled performance. Yeah, I think the, firstly, thanks for having me on. Um, but I think you look at that performance, the one thing that we spoke about was not going away from what we'd done so well in the first four test matches. I think the difference was the conditions that we found ourselves in. Um, and uh, I thought actually as a group, we were very smart about, we speak a lot about how we want to um, manage pressure well. Sometimes that means you have to soak it up. And when we get the opportunity, the most important thing is when we get the opportunity, we put it back on the opposition. And obviously in this last test match, compared to the first four of the summer, there was a lot more periods where we had to just soak it up a little bit. Um, and we recognised them better than we did at Lords. And executed extremely well you know some brilliant partnerships out there um you know from being 43 for three when um you know zach worked very hard with johnny that that was a crucial partnership and then you know ben and the two bens took it over brilliantly um but ultimately the discussions were um we we can't we can't waver from what we've set out to do as a test team um we've made so many big strides forward throughout this summer it's really important we stay strong to what we believe in. And um, uh, one of Ben's lines is, let's walk towards a danger. And it was an opportunity to do that at Old Trafford. And I think we delivered really well on it. Um, to go and get as many as we did against the reverse swinging ball on that wicket, which was seeming about as much as it was, I think showed a great amount of skill, showed that we were able to soak up those moments when we needed to, and also um, apply the pressure back when we got the chance. And it, you know, that's just a bat, and I thought the bowling was exceptional throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joseph, um, welcome to the uh, the Vaughan um, Toughers Cricket Club. Um, we needed a middle order player. Top <laughs> Effie with Jeffrey Boycott, Graham Smith, myself at the top of there. We needed someone to sit in the middle, so you're perfect for our team. It's a it's a team that's not all about on field performance. Now. When you win a test match, I remember winning a test match at Old Trafford and I was pictured at 3am on a bench asleep. What happens these days when England win a test match? Oh, we enjoy a bit of a bit of time together in the dressing room and then um, maybe a few drinks afterwards as well, but um, try and avoid those those pictures. I think we've all got it wrong at different times in our career, <laughs> haven't we? So I would say I got it right. <laughs> it proved I had a good night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, try try and avoid that as much as we can. But um, certainly, if, when you when you work hard together as a group, it's really important you share those those moments. And another thing we speak about is you know you play cricket to make memories. That's a big part of it, and to share those experiences with another, um, to enjoy that, and to, you know you look back on your career, you don't always remember a spell of bowling that you faced or a certain delivery that you bowled. It's mm. it's what you do together as a group and the moments that not just you share on the field, but off them as well. And it's really important that you can can find a way to enjoy that that moment and those times um, because I think they're the things that you look back on most fondly. Uh, and you mentioned spell of bowling. Um, the the four-man pace attack that South Africa unleashed on you all at Lords. It, it, it looked tough. Were you celebrating surprised when you saw that there was an extra spinner at Old Trafford and they were dropping the Janssen I wasn't surprised I mean you look at how Old Trafford can perform you do expect it to turn later on in the test match um, 
So you could see that that was something that they probably planned ahead of getting to the to the game. I didn't know whether they would go through with it or not. It did look a very dry surface and, you know, if it had gone five days, it definitely would have been a handful facing two spinners. But, um, you know, I think it was, an, it was a nice toss to lose. And Ben was very clear that we were going to bowl first. But, you know, when you get the opportunity to bowl first and it's not your decision, there's a little bit less pressure on that mm-hmm. bowling group. Um, but you know when you you see the team that they put out, it's very difficult for them to bowl first yeah. uh, with two spinners. So you sort of got an idea of what was going to happen anyway at the toss. Um, but you've got to give South Africa credit; it's a wonderful attack. It's well balanced. It's got uh, different angles, got pace, and different skills. And um, you know there's there's a reason why they performed so well in the last year or so uh, in Test cricket because and I think that's a big factor in it. They you know, they cover a lot of bases when it comes to to ball in hand. Yeah, before Old Trafford, um, I was just looking at the stats. It's been two years since England last won a Test without you making at least a half century. Um, I would imagine you would have liked to have made runs up there, but was it even partly a relief that you're not having to hold things together just for once? Oh, as you say, I'm, my job's to go out and score runs. It doesn't really matter what the situation is, uh, how things are going. You pride yourself on contributing to winning games and being a part of it all. Um, so it's disappointing to, you know, so far, I feel like I've had a really quiet series and opportunity next week to try and you know, impact on it and, and try and um, um, have that big contribution, which helps you set up a game or win a game. But um, I think it's a big step forward for the group for other guys to take responsibility on to see. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know it's 40 odd runs but I thought the way Zach Crawley yeah. played was exceptional um, against that attack on that surface I thought he played extremely well and he, I hope he takes a huge amount of confidence forward from it um, and you know I thought that's as well as I've seen Ben Bat in Test Cricket um, delivered on everything he speaks about in the dressing room Yeah, absorbing pressure at the right times uh, there was a period where Ben Folks was outscoring him within 20 minutes you know he doubled his score um, <laughs> yeah. so you can see like he's um, he's living and breathing everything he's talking about and leading from the foot in front in that aspect so uh, I, I, I do think it was a, it was a big week for the side um, and you know we are although we've done a lot of great things already this summer it was uh, another brilliant move forward for, for the whole group Who writes Ben's scripts because as he say he got the 100 <laughs> Huge bowling effort, man of the match, and all in the week that his documentary came out as well. Yeah, I think he's been writing his own scripts for a long <laughs> time. Um, he's well, he, I've I, he's, he was always my go-to man when I was in charge. Um, in, in fact, it wasn't because he would come to me. Really, and he, he's one of those players that when it gets tough, he doesn't look around the field. He, he asks for the responsibility. He wants ball in hand. He wants to be out there. Um, trying to make an impact with the bat, uh, as you've seen time and time again, and um, one of you know one of the few great traits he has as as a leader um, to be able to go and deliver performances like that, and um, you know it's not just about getting the group together and trying to create things around um, the test match, but actually influencing like that is it's an incredible uh, ability to be able to to do do it as he does yeah Joe, i mean you've played with ben all, all your life really um has he always been like that from being a kid that he's always had that mentality is when the pressure's on I, I was on my sun lounger last week listened to on the radio and england were in a little bit of a, a, a troubled position 
And I remember just sitting there with Archie. Ben came out and I went, he'll deliver. England, England need it. He generally always delivers. I don't remember him not delivering when England desperately needed a performance. Where does he get that from? I think he has always had it. Um, I think he's got better at recognising those moments as he's matured and as he's played. And I think he's gone from being a very raw talent in all departments, which you know, the sky was the limit for him. And he's managed to almost tunnel it into this, um, well, this incredible player, incredible leader. Um, you know, And he was a, a leader long before he was captain as well, you know, whether it be around his training, um, setting the standards in that department, the way he performs, like you say, under pressure and in the big moments of games. But you, I think there's a stat somewhere, there's been three spells of over 12 overs um, bowled by English, English seamers in the last century and they've all been from him. <laughs> So it's actually quite nice for my part that I wasn't the one for, forcing to do it, done it himself. <laughs> um, but you know, they're the sort of qualities that you need, the desire, the hunger, the want to be the, the guy to step up to the plate and as well the skill level to be able to do it. Um, the ball was reverse swinging with his action, the way he creates different angles. It just is, um, it, he's got it all. And it, it's great to see that um, he's, he's delivering on it time and time again and and how and how is he as a captain now I mean you had him as you know the all-rounder and you, you say you kind of lent on him how much is he leaning on you yes England are playing this I have to say extraordinary brand of cricket you know yes it's risky <laughs> I watch every single ball of test match cricket now because I just don't know what's going to happen it's great fun how much is he lent on you now as the senior pro in the team a little bit. I think uh, probably in a slightly different way to the way I would, I'd have used him, but in, I'd, I've really enjoyed the dynamic of it, to be honest. And I think, uh, as you probably well know, when you come out of the captaincy, the last thing you want to do is to be all over them. You want them to feel like it's their space and they, you know, they can go about things their way. So just trying to offer support where I can, whether that's having conversations with the younger batters, um, offering bits here and there, but uh, it's, it you know even for me um it's been a real a real enjoy a really enjoyable summer and to to come out of where we've been as a test team to to have this new approach to see everyone completely buy into it and enjoy it and love it and and the reaction as well around the the country is it's been it's been phenomenal to be a part of and um no, he Ben knows as as well as anything that whatever he needs he's he's got my I, yeah I've got his back and um, in whatever capacity that looks like, so um, it's it's nice that I had that understanding with him, and I hope that he really appreciates the the fact that I, you know I've got that with him as well. Can you can you sort of pinpoint what Ben and Brendan have, have brought to the England setup? There's been a lot of talk about the clarity of messaging. So can you can you give some examples of what they're asking from all of you, and how that's sort of benefiting the team and the environment? Clarity is probably the the big takeaway that you could you could say really we we play to win games of cricket we're not scared of losing and we do everything we can focused around that um the, there are going to be times like at lords where it doesn't go to plan but um the way we go about it is the most important thing and if we look after that for a long period of time the results will look after themselves the talent we've got the the group of players that um are around this test squad uh, performances will will come in time and you know you've already seen what we are capable of yeah so I, I think more than anything is that and 
just to to look at the game in a slightly different way. Um, try and look at it from a more situational based thing rather than a technical based thing. Look at areas and ways in which you can um, apply pressure on the opposition. You know, don't always look at it as from a, a defensive point of view or what if this goes wrong. Let, let's look at what happens if it does go right and um, you know, have that sort of mindset going into everything. It's all about taking wickets. It's all about putting pressure on the bowlers when you go out there to bat and, and every now and again being brave enough to absorb a little bit of pressure. Understand that that's okay in test cricket and when you get your opportunity. Um, we know that we can score up five, six and over uh, and can cause some real chaos out there. So enjoy that when it comes along. Yeah. Joe, do you, do you ever look back? I mean, I remember uh, 2019 leading into the Ashes. England and, and yourself, as a, you tried to play an expansive game and it didn't quite come off. You know, just circumstance, uh, bowling, maybe got the wrong end of a a couple of uh, decisions at the toss. Um, do you kind of look back and think, well, we, we have tried to play this expansive game before, but it's just working now? Um, yeah, I, th- I think the one, the difference is we didn't fully commit to it like we have done now and not to the level in which um, Brendan and Ben, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to them. The way that they've gone about it um, has been fantastic. Um, Brendan's a very laid-back character, very good at keeping the room very calm and relaxed and um, focusing everything about enjoyment and fun. And, you know, Ben's, you know, it's very clear that this this is how we're going to go about and do it. And, you know, we're good enough to do it and, and has filled the group with confidence that, you know, that that is exactly where we're at as a, as a side. I don't think I was quite as as able to, to push that as much as possible and, and fully commit to it as, as the way that these two guys have. Um, and credit to them. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's so much more fun to play. Uh, I can't stress <laughs> it enough. It's um, fun to watch. And you can see for the, the first four games of the summer, and I'll keep going back to them, but there are times as a batter, you're writing at the other end to Johnny Bairstow, you're striking at 70-odd or whatever, and you feel like they're trying to get you on strike. <laughs> Um, you know the sweepers go out you have that feeling as a pair out there that they're no longer looking to get you out they're looking to try and restrict and to hold the game and create pressure pressure in a different way Um, and that's exactly where you want to be as a batter you want to be in control of the situation you want to be looking to um, be in control of ticking that scoreboard over regularly and um it's been great to see that that happen. I think it's been great for the whole group to see it work early on mm-hmm. in the piece, you know, to gain that confidence from it, to have that belief in it. Um, and I think it was another reason why I think it was a big week last week was because of the heavy defeat to bounce back in the manner that we did, not just um, how convincing it was, but the manner in which we played was uh, a really important moment for, for the group. And I'm sure we'll take a lot from it. Is is part of the fun for you and the ability to fall back in love with cricket the fact that you aren't captain anymore and that allows you to sort of concentrate more on your batting? It's obviously an honour to to captain England, but one of the most draining roles in the sport, I would have thought. Um, presumably, it, it would have taken its toll on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last couple of years, it sucked the life out of me. Really, um, it, it did take its toll, and it was it was the right decision for, for the group first and foremost, but also for me personally. Um, 
Now I wasn't myself. I was coming home from series and I wasn't able to switch off. I wasn't able to be present with my family. Um, you know, I, I could see myself not, I couldn't see myself if, if you know, I was a shadow of, of the person that I want to be. Um, and I, I think sometimes it, you've got to be big enough to understand that it's it's time to move on and time for someone else to, to take that great honour on. And, you know, I, I can sit and say I threw absolutely everything at it. Um, I'm really proud of the, you know, the way I went about things. But um, as a player now, to come back into things, to just go and enjoy my batting support and, and play a different role um, in the side, try and work with the the other batters around me, build those relationships, partnerships out there uh, and and hopefully see them come through and offer advice where I can to help them. Um, now that gives me a huge amount of enjoyment as well. So um, I'm looking forward to that moving forward. You know, I'm, I'm not bitter about how things have gone. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that we are where we're at and we're, um, we've got, everyone behind is excited about watching English cricket again yeah. and test cricket. It's the best format by a mile. Yeah. And, um, you know, we all enjoy playing it. We want everyone to enjoy watching it and, and, you know, to be a part of this team is, it's, it's a really proud, proud thing to, um, to be, be amongst because you can see that, you know, when you, you get to the ground, there's that excitement there around people in the stadium and, um, see that they just don't know what to expect and, and what we're going to come up with so yeah. um, long may that continue Joe you mentioned uh, you know so when I, I remember my last year as England captain and I remember being at home and being around the dinner table with the family and I wasn't around the dinner table <laughs> they were talking and asking and I wasn't hearing and it was around that time it was about six months into the last year that I remember going to Nicola and saying I have to step down there's no way I can carry on because I, I'm just not anywhere near what I want to be when I'm at home. When was that moment for you when you realised that you know you just you want to be with your kids, you want to be with your family, you want to have a bit of fun when you and and I couldn't I couldn't switch off at all. I was always thinking about selection, my form, trying to win a game of cricket. You know, a few frustrations that you have to deal with as a captain, a few politics and political situations that you shouldn't really get involved in. That I did. Um, when was that moment where you just went, nah, this isn't right? Um, I was. It was when I got home from the West Indies tour. I think it had been coming for a long time. I just didn't want to believe it. Um, I think when you talk about not being present, um, I, 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 it got to a point where I started to notice it and I could see the effect it was having on not just kids, but but carry my wife as well around me, and it just wasn't fair on on those guys either. Um, so I think that was a moment. But you know, the what was it? The last two two years of it throughout COVID and bubbles, and mm. you know, it, spent a lot of time thinking about um, the team, and and sometimes not enough time thinking about my team my family and uh, people closest to me because there's just so much going on so much you're trying to do to um so many things that are not, not even cricket related that you're trying to sort out whether it be covid environments bubbles um what you you know the input that you want as a, as a captain for your players for tours and the amount of cricket that we played in that environment the effect it was having on not just myself but other players um some more than others and 
you know, you end up having, we went through a phase of trying to rest and rotate players to, to manage that and end up suffering performance. It just all sort of built up over a period of time. And, um, you know, it, it got to a point where it was just not fair on, um, on myself, my family. And it was just the right, completely the right time coming home from the West Indies. You know, out there, I was desperate to, to turn things around, to, to come back to England, have um, a fresh look at things. And, but, you know, um, I'm so glad that we we went about things the way we did. And I spoke to Ben personally as my vice captain and probably closest friend within the group um, first, and um, quite a, w- a while before anyone else. And then it was it was quite a relief, really. Once you know, I'd spoken to obviously family first, then Ben, um, to get that off my chest and, and others close to me. Um, it was a real relief. Mm. You didn't have that moment. See, I had the moment in the garden when uh, Archie was three and it, I was going through this 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 kind of mentality phase of, you know, struggling at home and struggling with the captaincy. And he genuinely bowled me in the garden <laughs> as a three-year-old. And I knew then, I, I walked in and I said, I've got to, he just genuinely bowled me out in the garden. He didn't hit a weed, didn't hit anything. I just missed a straight one from a three-year-old. That was my moment. And I thought, that's it, enough's enough. You haven't been bowled in the garden by your lad, have you? No, it's not got to that. Um, still in pretty good nick at the minute, so it's, <laughs> it's not really hard to get me out. But um, no, it's, it, we'd, it'd be more um, on a treasure hunt or something than, than playing cricket at the moment. That's um, that's what he's up to. So, But I've not had a, a specific moment. So I think it was just a culmination of build-up. And then you know, once... Uh, once I made the decision, it was just a, a real relief. And from that point, I knew it was completely the right decision. It was interesting as well that even through the those the Ashes and the West Indies, you maintained your batting form. <laughs> so was 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 that like a refuge for you? Was it the batting a sort of bubble from the captaincy? It was the, it, that was a, my quiet time, if you like, yeah. the time where you don't have to think about anything other than watching the ball. Um the longer I stayed out there, the more peaceful it was and the the less stuff that I had on my mind. And the more in control of things you are as well. Um, you know, building those partnerships with the guys at the other end, trying to um, you know, get get everything, get, get the score that you require or um, get that position of strength in the game. So it, it almost felt like that was a time where I could... I could just get some peace and quiet and enjoy what I love doing, which is batting and trying to score as many runs as possible. And um, yeah, it was it was almost a period that you look forward to. Yeah, you, when, you, when you say you, you, you're, you're most peaceful out there, you know you've got all the pressures of the captaincy. You know I couldn't do it as well as certainly not as well as you could do because I did take a lot of things off the field onto the field when I batted. I couldn't always switch off. How do you do it? You know how how is it that you can clear the nonsense that's with you as a captain off the field, and as soon as you go and take guard, it suddenly just goes away. Uh, didn't happen all the time. Um, I remember walking walking on and off the field very quickly at Mel. At, when was it Sydney? We had we had no coaches because they all got COVID uh, going into the test match. So you're trying to get the the guys ready for the game. I remember being exhausted walking out to bat, and before I knew it, I was walking back and played a shot that was very unrecognisable to how it had been playing. Um, but I think more than anything is just I, had, I gained a lot of clarity throughout a period in 
um, in COVID where I'd, I'd gone away, I'd looked at modes of dismissals in different parts of my innings, where that was my first 20 balls. Um, now, once I'd got in and got past 50, and there was quite a few trends, so just trying to find ways of eliminating a lot of risk out of my game um, and, and really playing to my strengths as much as possible. Uh, tinkled with a few things technically, tried a, a different trigger movement, which I'm really glad that I did because I found out that that's not me at my best. found that I lost a lot of scoring opportunities and I wasn't being able to rotate like I can do when I'm playing really well. So I went back to being as side on as possible, trying to play the ball alongside me and late, um, use the pace where where possible, and 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 try and you know, ma- manipulate the gaps and and rotate as well as possible, get them to bowl nice and straight to me, so I could I could um, feed them off my legs. So um, I think having that understanding and um, that clarity of how I was going to score my runs was was a big part of it. I could just go out there then and and try and deliver on that as much as possible. And also being at peace with certain modes of dismissal in different conditions. I think sometimes um, try and cover too many bases. Um, and when you're in extreme conditions, it's impossible to do. And yeah. I think um, I remember going to Sri Lanka and it's very easy to get um, caught up in seeing the ball turn, um, turn square but actually it can take modes of dismissal out of the game. If it's spinning big, left arm spinner, for example, it takes bold and LB out of the game if you're able to sweep well because he's either got to pitch it outside leg or it's going to miss off stump. Mm. So, you know, you're only looking at being caught and then you look at where you're going to score your runs, what fields they've got, and you just hit the ball where the fielders aren't. Uh, try and simplify it as much as you can like that um, and then deliver on it and, and practice it. And, um, you know, if, if I was to get a ball that rip my outside edge off then well bowl fair play you, you give credit to the bowler but if you miss I know I'm gonna um and put you under pressure and, and that's sort of been the way I've tried to go about things over the last couple of years or the last 18 months or so talking talking about the the mental stresses that that modern players are under um I just wonder what it was like for you watching Ben's documentary and obviously as as his friend as well as his teammate um, how much of an eye opener, and how much of what he went through you were aware of? It was. It was very much a, an eye opener. Now, I'm relatively close with Ben, but he's not always been um, able to express exactly how he's feeling all the time. Um, and I think you forget the amount of you know when you when you're playing with him constantly, the amount that he's been through and his family have been through over such a short space of time. Mm. Um, you know, that's only four-year period, five-year period. It's incredible, really, the the journey that he's been on and to be able to be where he is now. And I think shows a huge amount of courage and bravery to, to come out and speak so openly about it and share his story with, with everyone. And I suppose lay himself very bare, show um, his imperfections, um, but also how he wants to, to use his experience to help people move forward and, and you know, hopefully not find themselves in, in similar situations further down the line. And did it did it resonate with you? Because, I mean, he talks at some point about how he began to resent cricket because it was keeping him from his family. Would that Was that something that chimed with you? Yeah, I think at times. I, I think it's not it's not necessarily always the, the cricket itself that does. It's everything else that goes with it. And the external pressures that you 
endure sometimes the amount of time away from home. Um, you know, you miss miss a huge amount of big moments in your, your kids' lives, and um, that's sometimes really difficult to to understand that you know you're playing a game of cricket and you're missing out on some some big moments. And um, absolutely, that resonated with me. And um, you know, I'm, I'm sure everything that he spoke about throughout that's resonated with a lot of people in completely different situations. Uh, and Joe, when, when Ben announced he was stepping aside from 50 over cricket, did that surprise you at all? It surprised me because of um, how how all in he is, if you know yeah. what I mean. He, he's, he's always been someone that wants to impact on everything, whether, you know, if he's had a quiet day with the bat, you know that he's going to be asking to bowl or want to get involved in things or he'll pull something off in the field. Um but I think it shows the maturity of where he's at now and, and wants to make sure that you know, he prolongs his career as, as much as he possibly can. It's a, it's probably that one format that you play, you travel, you play now with the schedule as it is. You actually spend more time on the field than you would do in a test match, if that makes sense, because there's three and a half hours and it's all at high intensity in a 50-over game. You then travel and play again and you go through it again you're putting your body through a huge amount if you're bowling 10 overs you're in the hot spots like he is in the field you're then expected to to go and um, chase a big score down you're running between the wickets I think he just got to a point where he felt like his, his body wasn't able to handle the workloads that the current schedule's giving us and um, he made a sensible decision prioritising test cricket mainly and and you know, the workloads of a T20 game are obviously nowhere near. So I, I think it shows his maturity, really. Yeah. Do you, do you think more players will follow him in, in turn? I mean, Ravi Shastri um, said on the podcast a few weeks ago that he feels that the 50-over game is probably the one format that may go. You know, it, it can't fit everything in. There's, there's only 360 days in the year. You can't play T20s, 100s, test matches. If you, if you can't just play everything, something will have to give eventually. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think there might be a different way way to, to deal with things. You know, the, the World Cups are such brilliant events to play in, um, whether they gear the the white ball cricket around World Cups. Um, you know, that might be a different way to look at it because they're all, look, go back to 2019, there were some fantastic games in there, obviously the final, but others as well throughout the whole competition. Um, not just for England, but other teams as well. And I think it is obviously well followed and, and loved. But of course, it's probably the one game that's under more stress than any at the moment. Um, with the amount of domestic cricket there is, the amount of international cricket there is. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, um, I, I'd like to think that when it comes around to World Cups, teams will uh, will always be able to deliver on that that fifty over format. But now, what what happens in between that? I think is going to be uh, interesting to see moving forward. Bit shame to lose the format that England are world champions. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they lost it, you'd be world champions forever, sir. Yeah. Well, true. That's, sure, that's also true. <laughs> On the podcast, we have an eight-year-old called Megan who's new to cricket. Um, she's got a question for you. Rude. Hi, Joe. Megan here. I bat left-handed and it's really cool when you do that too. It's way more fun. Can you do it all the time? <laughs> I'm definitely not good enough to do it all the time. 
every now and again is good enough for me but um well, it's nice to hear her enjoyment in what she does she makes um she makes a fair point though joe because i reckon your strike rate as a left-hander <laughs> is probably well over 300 maybe 400 so she's quite clever megan she's new to the game but she studies it she thinks she should be left-handed <laughs> yeah well, i'm not sure i'd be lasting very long my strike rate might be all right but i, I don't think i'd be surviving very long um, on your on your strike rate, yeah. it's obviously it's a lot higher this summer. You've been playing um, a higher percentage of shot, aggressive shots to to higher proportion of deliveries. Is that a conscious choice, or is it just a product of being in a rich vein of form at the moment? I think a, a big part of it has been the way the guys have batted at the other end. You know, the amount of pressure they've put on bowlers, uh, you, I think it's made it very difficult for them to find rhythm and for them to to hit an area consistently. So, of course. I've probably played a, a few more aggressive strokes, but I think probably got off the back of the hard work at the other end. I've got more scoring opportunities because there isn't that that, that feeling as a as a field inside you get where you know they're not going to come at us. We can just settle in on a length, and and you know you gain confidence from that. You know, from a batting point of view, it's always felt like as soon as they miss, Poby's going to hit it for four, Johnny's going to hit it for six, and you stood at the other end, you're waiting for that to happen, and you can sort of feel that around the ground and feel that out there in the middle and uh, and you know we as a team and you hear it a, a lot around um all formats of cricket but partnerships it's, it's not necessarily always the runs that you get or um, the wickets that you produce as a as a duo with ball in hand it's it's how everything unfolds around it and uh, the, those in- intricacies i think sometimes go under the radar the the work that one does at at one end can have a massive impact on on the others. You look at someone like Mark Wood, for example, the amount of wickets that we've got at the other end when he's been bowling because of the pace that he, he bowls at. It, you know, he doesn't always get the rewards for it, but creates opportunities at the other end. Similarly, when um, Johnny was playing it how he was um, first three or four games, how quickly he was scoring, the way that the guys at the other end were able to, to then jump on the back of that, not just... Um, because they were getting more opportunities, but the confidence they gained from the way that he was playing, and um, you know, you ride that that wave as a side, and you ride that wave as a, as a pair out there in the middle, and I think that's been a big part of things. Uh, and Joe, just just on the the game, the future of the game, Andrew Strauss has put you know a a, a board together and come up with a high performance review. Uh, what have you made of it? Um, were you consulted? Were you asked into the boardroom to ask of uh, your opinion? I've not had a I've not had a good look at it to be honest um, as yet. Um, you know, if, if that conversation happens down the line, then uh, I'll give my my bit. But I've I've not had a close look at it to be honest. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the the guys that are involved have, have got the best in, interest for English cricket at heart and for the game as well um, worldwide. So um, yeah, hopefully we can we can try and keep producing some some brilliant players. Um, a great um, product for for everyone watching, and um, you know it's it's fun for those guys playing, but watching as well. Yeah, you, you've been vocal in the past, haven't you, about pitches making sure uh, maybe a few less gains, but make sure the pitches are outstanding for for the longer format. Absolutely, I think in terms of longer format cricket, if you want to produce fast bowlers, you want to produce spinners, you want to produce guys that can build pressure and hit areas for long periods of time. You want to make it very difficult for, um, you know, for them to to get lateral movement or to make things happen. Because if 
if they've got to rely on a, a different thing, whether it be bounce, whether it be uh, accuracy, whether it be raw pace, whether it be creating different angles, they're the things that you know separate the very best from from the rest. And um, I think over the last few years in category, there have been a, occasions where the wickets have done so much, you've not necessarily had to rely on those things. You've been able to just put balls in a, in a certain area um, and and come away with a lot of rewards. Also, from a batting point of view, um, you've got. A, I think the best players have, have all learned how to score big hundreds over and over again in the, in domestic cricket by playing on good wickets mm. and um, being able to trust. The, you know, when you when you do that and you learn to, you know, you learn a technique to play on the wicket, you can then trust that technique when things get a little bit more difficult. Similarly, dealing with scoreboard pressure, you play against sides if they go out and score four or five hundred. Um, if you've never experienced that before because you've come in out of a game that you know you, every week you're chasing 150 or they've yeah. set you 200 in the first innings um, you, you know you never come across that it's going to be very new to you and difficult difficult to, to find yourself in, in that sort of situation and the longer the games go as well the more spin will come into it we talk about producing spinners and uh, if the games are over in two days when's your spinner going to bolt yeah. um, so I, I think for all aspects of of cricket, the better the wickets are, um, the more we'll see the very best come to the fore, and the more we'll see a development all round in in English cricket and in our game. Mm-hmm. Sounds like your opinion wasn't sought for the review, which is I find quite odd. Did, <laughs> were any of the England players interviewed for it? Uh, I don't know. I've 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 had a conversation about a few things, but I didn't know if, if it was necessarily for a specific review or not. Mm-hmm. So. This is the most important aspect of the pod, Joe. Um, sorry the cat can't be here to, to ask the questions himself, but um, it's either or. On one on one of the questions I see he's giving you three options, but the first one uh, will start with a very simple one for you. Uh, Henderson's Relish or Liam Perrins? Henderson's Relish. Right, yeah, Sheffield Brand. I thought you might go yeah. with that. Um, now, again, very simple one. Second one, heads or tails? Heads. Heads. You you once won eight tosses on the trot, which was uh, odds of 256 to one, if you didn't know that already. Uh, now, this is quite tricky. Uh, three ways. Gone a little bit out the box here, the cat. Um, Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, or Kane Williamson? What format? You can't just give me that. I'm just saying, it, look, the cat's not that. It doesn't say the format. Let's say all formats. Which one of those? I'll go and run to Virat Kohli. You're going Virat Kohli from a, a in the whole, round, a whole in package, right? So Virat gets that one. He'll be happy with that. You'll get seventy two hundreds. I mean, you can't argue with seventy two hundreds. No. Incredible. No, you'll get some good clicks on social for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're one ninety against South Africa at Lords in two seventeen, or you're one fifteen not out against New Zealand this summer this year. Your first game in uh, not in charge of the team this year. This year against New Zealand, yeah. That's it. So, so the first one was your first first game as captain. Yeah. And this was your first, first game, game not, no longer no captain. No longer as captain, yeah. I think the situation of the game, chasing it down. Um, yeah, that was... Yeah, Pat Cummins or Jasper Bumrah? There's two incredible bowlers. Uh, I'd say Bumrah. Right. 
Again, good for your clip. Brave. No, I, I, the reason I say that is because um, his, his obviously his record at home is is still very good. I'd just say he's probably because he's had more opportunities to bowl in the subcontinent. But um, and there was a spell of bowling he bowled at the Oval reverse swing, nailing his Yorkers, and mm. it, it was he just blew us away last summer. Um, Having said that, Pat's got me out many times before. It's it's a, it's a toss up between the two of them. They both had me on Pat, toast. Pat's many got times. you out seven times. Pat's yeah. got you seven times Thanks in nineteen. Thanks for reminding me. Boomer has only got you six times, um, but in only sixteen innings. Uh, uh, Joe, the last one. It's Yorkshire themed. Um, again, only one. Uh, Sir Len Hutton or Sir Geoffrey Boycott. Len Hutton. <laughs> Ah, sorry, Jeffrey. Sorry, Jeffrey. Unlucky, no. Jeff. <laughs> uh, brilliant, Joe. Uh, thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks, uh, thank you so much, Joe. No, thank um, you. Great to chat. Uh, cheers, yeah. mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers. What about the hundred? Are we yeah. going with the hundred? What, what's happening? It doesn't seem to have uh, appealed this year. I know we keep talking about it. Is it, is, is it a lack of, I don't know, marketing? It just doesn't seem to have had the same appeal this year. I'm not too sure what it is. Well, I think there's also a, a little bit of second sort of season syndrome a little bit. Um, but the crowds are up. The crowds are up. The crowds are still there. Oh, the fire haven't done so well, though, Mike, have they? The Welsh fire. Wim, women's and men's. Yeah, I think they've got to go. I honestly think um, in in any business, when you're two years in, you kind of look at what's working, what's not. For me, the Welsh fire doesn't work. Mm. And I would change the Welsh fire, call them the Western Warriors, and I'd play that that side in Bristol and in Taunton. Wow. Two games in each. I would get rid of the I'm going to get absolutely cane from the Welsh for this, but <laughs> I just don't think it's working. It's not just the plain side. I just see the one venue, and it's a small ground. It's never full. No. Mm. I would guarantee if you put a Western Warriors side playing out of Bristol and Taunton with a few local players. And I guess they're probably missing out by not having enough locality in terms of the team, yeah. in terms of players. Because there aren't any good Morgan they, players. Maybe they can change that for next year and give it another try. But I just look at Bristol and Taunton, two venues that, in particular Taunton, you could play any white ball team there, both men's and women's, and it would be packed. Yeah. They love the cricket down there. I'd change it. I'd go for the Western Warriors and just move it and just say, I'm sorry, uh, shirt sales for the Welsh Fire, non-existent. So commercially, it's not working, you know, compared to other, if you want to call them franchises. Um, yeah, I'm going to get Kane. I probably won't be allowed back over the bridge, but uh, who cares? It's all about the product and making sure it's the best, and I'd get rid of the Welsh Fire. There you go. Yeah. I mean, Mike, uh, Phil, rather, you've, you've been to you've been to quite a few of these games. Yeah. I've, I haven't been to any live. I've talked to a lot of people who have, and they've said the atmosphere is great, actually. And, yeah. All of the things that we've talked about, the sort of family atmosphere and the razzmatazz, that all that all works really well. And lots of people in their seats to watch the women's game as well as the men's. Um, but just watching it on TV, too often after the first couple of sets, you can kind of see who's going to win. It just it just feels too predictable. Yeah, it, it, it does a it does a tad. I, I can't quite put my finger on why it hasn't quite as worked quite as well this season. Um, as you say, there's. There seems to be there seems to be lots of action. There's lots of action every single ball and everything, but there just seems to be a lack of drama somehow this season. I don't quite know why. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, it's just it, it seems to be just going through the same rhythms every time. As you say, if you get wickets early in the power play, you're probably not going to lose. Oh, there's another ramp shot. There's another slower ball. Boom, 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 boom. Listen, I think we haven't had quite as many, I might be wrong here, close games. I think that the bowlers have come back into it now and have sort of like realised that once you get them three down, you know, we, we haven't had that chap coming in at six or seven, scoring 40 off of 15 balls and completely turning the game yeah. round. They've usually sort of got out. The pitches and look a bit tired. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Mike. The pitches, you get, if you're playing 100-ball cricket, you've got to have flat pitches. Some of them have been a bit stoppy, some have turned, and it's a little bit tricky then to start smashing it around at all parts of the ground. But listen, as you say, the atmosphere has been great. Uh, most of the grounds have been packed. The kids are there enjoying it, and the music and the flames are all going off. It's still a great atmosphere, but yeah, just something not quite mm. as um, as pinpoint as the first uh, the first time round. Last story to discuss. Did you see this about a village team that scored one of the lowest scores in history? Got bowled out for nine. I know. Yeah, I like it. Not even double figures. So, (laughs) not even double figures. And so, so there there are all sorts of amazing statistics here. So, Will Hobbs, who was so it's Elverston Cricket Club's fourth eleven. Will Hobbs was the the opening batsman. He was their top scorer with two. Oh, well play. The rest of the team, the rest of the team didn't get any. So uh, the remaining runs uh, against Risley's second eleven. This is in the Derbyshire County League fixture. The rest of the runs were from extras: five leg buys, two wides. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, that is what for me. That is what cricket is all about. <laughs> well, so the, the captain of the winning side was a guy called Dane Harper. Uh, he said, we, we definitely expected a tougher game, to be honest. Uh, we were still talking about it late last night. Couldn't believe what happened. To be fair to them, they brought a very junior team. Most mm. of the lads aged between 12 and 15. Ours were older. We only had two juniors in the team. And then he said, I love this. He said, we've got two very sensible openers and they did what needed to be done. <laughs> He said they played their shots as if they were chasing two hundred. <laughs> you've got to get the you've got to get the job done. You've got, got to get, get the job done. done. I love how taking it very very seriously, even in those oh, circumstances. Oh, I think that's brilliant. Can I just bring up? We we did announce at the start of the pod that we would be doing a pod at a cricket club. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't think we can go back from that. No, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. We, 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 but it's 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 got to be. We should go to Elveston. Yeah. Huh? Do you think we should go to Elveston? I think that's quite a good point. Where is it? Derbyshire. It's Derbyshire County League. Oh. I, I think that's not a bad shout. Yeah. We could go and give them a bit of loving. The semen. The semen. <laughs> the the maybe, Phil, yeah. you could go and give them a few tips on batting to get past nine. Yeah. yeah. Look, if they've got twelve to fifteen year olds, it could be an educational for them that they could listen to us talk about trying to get past nine. <laughs> Oh, let's get to double figures. Yeah. If, one, if one of you gets five, that means the rest of you only. Well, if to get more them. than one of them got runs, that would be good, right? Yeah, we just need someone to get. We just need someone to get in and get a five. <laughs> right, that's about all we have time for today. Thanks to Mike and Phil as always. 
Massive thanks to Joe Root for joining us as well. Best of luck to him and the rest of the England team ahead of the third and final test against South Africa. Three of us will be back at the usual time of Wednesday next week. We'll be dissecting that match at the Oval, talking about the finals of the 100 and starting to look back on an extraordinary summer of cricket. In the meantime, the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club channel is now packed full of past episodes. That includes a sit-down with former South Africa skipper Graham Smith last week and a special episode with Sir Geoffrey Boycott the week before. A reminder that you can get in touch with us on Twitter or via email. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. Thank you for listening to the episode. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date. Until next week, goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market